Happy New Year! It's 2020 and everyone is in the mindset of improving their lives and maybe even making things easier on themselves. Why not let that carry into your chickens and all your chicken keeping tasks? Henny and Rue can help. Henny and Rue is a monthly subscription box. You will receive products to help build up your poultry first aid kit, as well as new treats and coop products to keep your flock healthy and happy, and it all shows up right to your door. Also, the chickens aren't the only ones being spoiled. There's always something fun in there for us, too. So go to HoneyandRue.com and save 10% off your first box using code DRINKANDFARM at checkout. Henny and Rue, better chicken keeping delivered. What you got over there? I just opened a Rheingeist Kelife. I guess I didn't know. Kalfe. I don't know how to pronounce it. Kalfe. That's what it is. DJ Khalif. What's (laughs) happening over there? (laughs) That was kind of what I was thinking when I said it. And I'm like, wait, no, all of those extra vowels aren't in there. It's just Kalfe. And it's a coffee milk stout, which totally makes sense. (laughs) So what'd you open over there? So... I decided to kind of be on theme over here. Um, And well, at first I was like, do I have any White Claw? And no, I don't have White Claw. Um, But I do have a Session Series Lake Effect Blackberry Lemon Blush, which is a cider um, from Farmhouse Cider Co. And it's a mix of blackberry, lemon, and cider. Um, And it is fermented and canned in Hudsonville, Michigan. That lake, mm. you know, like lake effect with the lakes. We're going to talk about people stealing water from the Great Lakes today and such. <laughs> True that. So, spoiler. Um, <laughs> but I thought that kind of went with the theme. It does. And I picked something that's like the opposite of the theme because <laughs> there is nothing water-like about this beer whatsoever. It's definitely more coffee. But coffee requires water and beer requires it water. It does. So There. There. <laughs> And welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. From hobby farmers to the large-scale real-deal farmers. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and the new knowledge we gain, so hopefully you don't feel so alone in this farm thing. And sometimes we go off on tangents that are non-farming related, but we cut a lot of those tangents and stick them up on the Patreon. And this episode's outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps. So go to patreon.com slash drinkandfarm and become a peep if you're not one already. And you can do that for just $2 a month. Yes. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon lately, I highly recommend you go do it right now because we just updated a bunch of the levels. So we hope you guys enjoy it. Yes. There's even one now that you can join in on where you get an exclusive t-shirt every single month. That is bonkers. Yes. Amazing. 
And the t-shirts are super cool. They're going to be so fun. And we had so much fun going back and forth trying to make it work. Yes. (laughs) Designing shirts is fun. Yes. So go check them out because we slaved over them. And my eyes were going to start bleeding if I had to type the word arugula one more time. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go to the shop and check it out. Yes. And our drinks this episode were sponsored by our Patreon peep, Elise Ferguson, which is at EGF Brahma Mama. So cheers, Elise. Cheers. So like we talked about in our last episode, we're kind of taking our version of a, of a break, which is kind of like, you know, if you have a big kid job and you're on paid time off, but you're still checking your email. This is kind of what that feels like. So we're still putting the work in, but we decided to kind of pick some easy, low-hanging fruit content to deliver to you guys. So what we're going to do throughout the month of January is finish the episodes of the Rotten series and discuss them on here. Um, And then hopefully you guys will chime in over on the Facebook group. Yeah, so if you haven't watched the Rotten episode called Troubled Waters, it's in Rotten Season 2, which can be found over on Netflix if you have a subscription. Uh, You can stop this now and watch the episode and then listen to us talk about it. But, I mean, it's a documentary. It's on Rotten. We know that there's going to be all sorts of shit and shenanigans involved (laughs) with the water. So I don't necessarily think there's any spoilers if you want to watch it after you hear us talk about the shit and shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to do our best not to, like, give you a complete play-by-play. But if it happens, sorry. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. You don't have to watch it now. It's fine. I mean, we just saved you an hour, so there's that. (laughs) Yeah. But I will say, I think this is my favorite one so far out of the other two that we've already watched. Um, The one about wine and then the one about avocados. Um, And I think a lot of that has to deal with a lot of it is about Michigan, which is kind of neat, but also kind of embarrassing. Um, (laughs) We're kind of put on the spotlight there for some (laughs) weird stuff that's going on. Well, you know, and so it's not necessarily something to be embarrassed about. Like, you know, they talk about, you know, well, if anybody doesn't know, Flint is currently having a water crisis because of some really old water infrastructure and apparently it has put lead in the water. So the drinking water is not safe in Flint. And as far as I know, I don't think it is yet. No. Oh, no. They haven't okay. Done damn thing. Okay. So they haven't done anything to fix it yet. I no. wasn't sure. I did not want to misspeak there. <laughs> I will say that A, I'm not a politician. B, I'm not a water specialist. C, I really don't know that much that's going on. But... It would take a lot to get it updated. So it's not something that could be fixed overnight, but I don't understand if things are moving or how they're moving either. So I'll put that Uh, disclaimer out there. Um, But it's not fixed. (laughs) And, you know, since that happened, I've been, you know, after we watched watched this documentary about it, because it talks about the aging infrastructure, and I thought, like, well, how much other infrastructure do we have in the United States that's aging like this? Are we going to see this happen in other places? Because, you know, one of the things that the documentary talks about is how people will pay a premium price for bottled water, but every time there's an increase in the water bill, like, they have to fight for that 
tooth and nail. But that water bill is how you pay for infrastructure. Right. (laughs) But if you don't trust the government to actually use your money the way that they say they're going to use it, why would you pay into it? That is true. So it is tough because it's a thing like it's a system that requires the people who are in charge to do the things that they're expected to do so that the general public trusts that they're going to follow through with their promises, which is a tall order. (laughs) But apparently marketing water is a newer idea. Um, and, and of course, another really intense intro for, for a rotten episode. Um, they point that out. And that bottled water companies are the ones that get to profit from it. And bottled water is everywhere. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, especially in emergencies. But the world is basically obsessed with it. Um, and it's kind of been a gateway to humanitarian crisis. And we'll get into that as we go through what the documentary covers in the next couple of minutes here. Um, But it is kind of mind-boggling that it's a very small group of water distributors, like these bottled water distributors that are making billions of dollars a year when people aren't even allowed to have access to the same water in some areas. So buckle up. Because it's going to get bumpy. (laughs) While I was watching this, the first thing that popped into my head was, remember when we did the episode about hunting and how, like, wild game is a public resource? So that's why you can't harvest animals that you hunt and then resell them. Because it's a public good, essentially. I wonder why water doesn't fall under that same umbrella. That's a good question. I'm going to guess somebody's sleeping with somebody and they're all making lots of money. That's what <laughs> I mean, I'm going to guess. <laughs> that's got to be it, right? I mean, I know that was a pretty deep question. It considering was. Neither of us ready. are water experts or natural resources experts or <laughs> anything like that. But it was mostly just food for thought. And perhaps somebody actually knows the answer to that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. If you do, email us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. Because I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> but the documentary starts starts off with, like, a line of cars that are, like, waiting for forever before it's even first light out. And they're in Flint, Michigan. And obviously, Flint is kind of infamous now for poison in the water. Um, and in April 2014, old and poorly managed water systems started leaking lead into the water system. So this has been a couple years. Oh, gosh. Um, much longer than I thought it had been. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, and the big crisis around it, or the big hubbub around it was that people allegedly knew about it. Um, and it created a huge issue because they did not respond to that, knowing that information. So all of these people are waiting in line for water because they can't drink their tap water. And every day there's a 9 a.m. water delivery from the superhero Nestle. Um, they Nestle. They provide Flint's residents with uh, bottled water. And they promise to give away 6 million bottles of Ice Mountain bottled water, which sounds like a really nice thing. But some people say that Nestle is exploiting the crisis to advertise their brand. E, that's not a good look. But, you know, on the outside, it looks like a really nice thing that they're doing. But 
as we get into this a little more, you can see that their motives aren't always the best. Well, yeah. I mean, because, like, one of the things that the documentary mentioned was that this, like, what is it? Six million bottles of water. That's just a small fraction of a percentage of the output of one Mm -hmm. day from this one pump that's, you know, just a few hundred miles away from Flint. Yeah. I think it was, like, six million bottles in, like, two days. Oh, okay, is that what it was? Okay, so, so it's not quite yeah. as small of a fraction as I said it was, but, but. <laughs> it's still it's still nothing. Yeah, and it's really nice of them to do this. But if it's like if they really cared and what the billions of dollars they are making, maybe they could you know pony up the money to make it better and fix the pipes. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's a fair question. That would be really expensive for them though, because um, as we'll find out shortly they pay next to nothing to get the water that they're just putting into the bottles. Um, And it's not really a solution to the water crisis to just keep bringing people bottled water. That's kind of a Band-Aid. Yeah, because people want to be able to wash their dishes and wash their clothes in water that they don't think is full of lead. I mean, that's fair, right? Because like when you really think about water, you think of all the things you use it for. And if you think there's lead in it, you're not using it for any of those things. Right. Like, I wouldn't even want it to splash up on my butt after I was going to the bathroom. You know what I mean? <laughs> I I don't know that I would think of that, but sure, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, you use water for, like, everything. Yeah. And if it has lead in it, like, even if it's just a small amount, you don't necessarily want to be touching it. I mean. Yeah. But as they're giving us this lovely overview of flint um they do point out some what i will call some not so fun facts um but they point out that bottled water does is displacing tap water and that 42 gallons of bottled water per american are consumed each year and it's a 35 dollar 35 billion dollar business and the business didn't exactly exist like 40 years ago and that we buy two times as much bottled water as coffee and 10 times more than beer, which I don't know about that. I think I buy more coffee and beer than bottled water personally, but I mean, just be me. <laughs> I definitely do, but I do not remember the last time I bought a bottle of water at the store. Mm. I mean, I have to every now and then because, you yeah. know, there are just some things like camping with a big old group of Girl Scouts, like, you got to bring some water with you. And those, like, one-gallon things are the easiest way to do it. And some individual bottles to dole out to the girls that forgot to bring their reusable water bottle, unfortunately, are just necessary in those situations. (laughs) But in my mind, in my probably privileged mind, especially since we have a fancy water filter system here, Uh, that would be like kind of a one-off situation where you would need that, not your regular daily drinking supply of water. Yeah. And in fact, like when we had mentioned doing this episode a few weeks or months back, maybe I mentioned that like, you know, some people's well water is full of sulfur, so they can't drink the water out of the tap, even with all of the fancy filters on it, it still tastes and smells like raw eggs. Mm -hmm. So there are some people who literally can't drink their tap water because it makes them gag. (laughs) Right. Right. So, and that has nothing to do with lead. It's just, that's the nature of having a well sometimes. Right. 
and my husband does water stuff all day and he could probably come on here and talk about it for longer than either of us would probably care for. But (laughs) yeah, (laughs) in short, sometimes your situation that you're in means that you have to find a different source for water and bottled water is very convenient. Um, But I think it's important to note that of all the stats they threw out, they weren't saying that a lot of the bottled water consumption was from people that actually like need to use bottled water. It's everyday people that have perfectly good water coming out of their tap. Right. Buying bottled water like in bulk. So that is what the majority of the bottled water sales are. Right. And they get into that. I think closer to like the end of the episode. I skipped ahead. <laughs> Way ahead, but it's fine. <laughs> um, so after they go through like a high level overview of a, the Flint thing, um, barely scratching the surface there, uh, they talk about Nestle and how they have located a plant in a city called Everett. And we get to meet the lovely town manager named Zachary. Um, and he's very much like, a Nestle fanboy. He very supportive of them. Um, they've done a lot of good for their town. Um, and, and when you kind of learn a little bit more about Everett and I used to live pretty close up there when I was in Mount Pleasant, um, they are a very small town. Their average income is 19 to $21,000 a year per household. Um, so that is pretty poor. Um, And Nestle pays the same for water as the residents do. So the residents pay $3.60 for a thousand gallons. Um, That comes in around $7,000 worth of bottled water. So Nestle's up there like living their best life with all these people that don't make a lot of money. So they had to come in and do some really nice things. So Nestle renovated the fairgrounds. They put in ball fields. They do river cleanup every year and they start a recycling center there as well. So they're trying to, like, make themselves look good, even though they're basically stealing water from the residents there. Yeah. And, you know, like the town manager, he's so in favor of Nestle because of the nice things that Nestle does for the town. But, like, Nestle would do that for any town that had water Mm -hmm. that was willing to give it to them. And at one point, he actually mentions that he doesn't think that Nestle would ever run the wells or the springs totally dry because it wouldn't be in their best interest. But I think what he doesn't take into account is that Nestle has the money to just pick up and move to a different town mm-hmm. when they bleed ever dry. So I don't think there's any reason to believe that they would conserve water like out of the kindness of their hearts. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And and they point out that Nestle needs four times more water than they can get from Everett. So what they do is they use their own wells and they pay even less for that. So a licensing fee for a well pump in Michigan is only $200 for a year. So that resource is essentially free to Nestle. um, And they just go and get their hands on it. And they just continue to take the water and build their business. So one of my favorite parts of the documentary was when they went into like the history (laughs) of spring water and, you know, like it's quote unquote health benefits, because when you hear it, you're like, oh, that's why people started buying bottled water. Because like I'm trying to imagine, you know, 40, 50 years ago, people looking at water on the shelf and being like, oh, yeah, it's totally worth it to buy this rather than, you know, what comes out of our tap. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
<laughs> and when you think about like the mineral springs and all of the spas that kind of popped up around mineral springs and the you know really cool posters from the 50s and 60s touting the benefits of mineral springs you're like oh okay now I can make that connection <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what they didn't really tell you with all those pretty posters was back in the 19th century spas were built around the, those natural springs and that's what made it so like sexy Ooh, yeah i'm gonna go sit in some spring water i'm gonna drink the spring water but it was really ignorant because sewage was being dumped into the same water supply people were drinking from and they were getting these water related diseases um and that's actually, that whole debacle, that's how they learned how to treat water by adding chlorine. And Jersey City, New Jersey was the first city to do this and other cities followed. Um, and then water, bottled water disappeared for a little bit. It, it was a niche, niche business until Perrier came along. And that's where it got sexy again with all those posters and the, the bottles and they went from selling 3 million bottles in 1976 to 200 million bottles in 1979. And then they bought other bottled water companies. And then they were bought by Nestle. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> it's super neat to see that come full circle. Because, like, I'm imagining somebody in 1979 being like, oh, this... Fancy sparkly mineral water is from France, so like it must be good. But then now it's owned by Nestle, so, <laughs> so <laughs> which is like not. the hot chocolate company. That's what I always think of when I think of Nestle. I think of hot chocolate <laughs> envelopes, <laughs> which is like the least fancy thing you can think of. <laughs> I mean, but delicious. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. I digress. <laughs> so. Based on that boom of Perrier and Nestle buying them and all that fun stuff, demand wasn't a problem, but supply was becoming an issue. So that's where they had to go and find new springs. And they aren't large or easy to find. Um, so what Nestle and a few other bottled water companies did was that they found a solution. Um, municipal water is regulated by the EPA. And bottled water is controlled by the FDA. So they lobbied the FDA to come up with a convenient definition of spring water. That they don't need to get it from a spring. That it could just be drilled into an aquifer as long as it's somewhere connected to any spring. And that right there is some word f yes, I'm going to have to beep that. But it was <laughs> necessary. <laughs> I know. I don't think you've ever said the F word on the podcast before. We should start keeping score. <laughs> yes. Someone start that, please. Steven. Bev's F trigger is bottled water. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty passionate about bottled water. You are. <laughs> so because Nestle, you know, got in bed with the FDA there and they spooned it out to come up with a convenient definition, um, Nestle... Uh, was able to get even more water plants. Um, but they were seeing some resistance, so they got a little smarter about where they were building the plants with less public opposition. Um, there was lots of suing. Uh, Western Michigan is pissed because Nestle is taking water from the Great Lakes and it's making a huge profit. Um, so they're suing. Ice Mountain actually didn't even start in Michigan. It started in Maine and then Pennsylvania tried to go to Wisconsin, but they got sued there. So then they came to Michigan. And I guess they're not getting sued as much. 
uh less less suing <laughs> yeah but they did decide to settle on a location called sanctuary springs um and they pump a half million gallons out of the ground every single day that is a lot that's crazy yeah um and they tried to spin it like this is gonna be a good thing for you they're gonna be jobs it's gonna be great for the economy the tax base um and that they weren't taking enough water to hurt anything but there's this lawyer guy that comes in his name's jim olson um and he acknowledged that nestle lawyers spent a lot of time in the courtroom um they've even been accused of slave labor and african chocolate business and pet food food businesses um lead in their noodles in india lies and baby formula labels Nestle, get your shit together. <laughs> Gosh. And this Olsen guy won against this, like, Sanctuary Springs thing. But it got overturned by Nestle's lawyers, and the pumps got turned back on. But the, the compromise that they were only turned on half the volume. <sighs> yeah. I Fun mean, stuff. <laughs> it's easy to, like... So one of the things to always keep in mind, it's really easy to like hate on the big businesses just Mm -hmm. because they're so big. Like they have the money to do stuff like this. Um, They also have the power to do a lot of good and some of them do. But yeah, like a lot of this stuff, like you're just thinking about it and you're like, gosh, geez, like I think this is just why everybody's looking for more transparency and everything that they interact with because of stuff like this and you know like even if they aren't putting even if there aren't like lead and noodles in india like what led to that rumor like what, yeah what happens that led to that and i'm not saying like you know i mean there is like innocent until proven guilty but gosh like <laughs> yes it's not looking great you know and it, there's got to be a little truth in in all of it and the thing is um it sounds like a lot of what they're doing is okay because they're continuing to get away from it or get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because there are loopholes and there, th- there are ways around it. And if you have really good lawyers, you can do a lot of really bad things. And continue um, to get away with it. Yeah. 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 Uh, but the locals are even noticing that the, the streams are drying up from the spring san- sanctuary place. Um, but Nestle's data magically shows that there's zero impact to them pumping the water. <laughs> Imagine that. I'm sure they paid for that research. Um, yeah, they yeah. definitely did. I remember them oh, yeah. mentioning in the in the <laughs> in the documentary yeah. that they paid for it. Yeah. Um, but Nestle would not appear in the documentary. But they did give a blanket statement that they're essentially not doing anything wrong and that they're mo- monitoring the water supply. And then it's also noted that Nestle controls half of the U.S. bottled water bottled water market. Oh, Nestle, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, and that was just spring water, guys. Yeah, there's more than one kind of water. Imagine that. <laughs> Which I it didn't really dawn on me. Like I knew this, but I didn't really separate it, like parse it in my brain before they explained it here. Yep, agreed. And the other one we're talking about is purified water. What is the difference? So uh, cola is 95% water, which is why the term purified water was started by Pepsi. And Aquafina, I never pronounced this water company right, Dasmani? 
It's Dasani. Oh, Dasani. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I was like, what's Dasmani? Why don't I recognize that? Dasani, Dasmani. of course it is. Um, Pepsi is Aquafina. Uh, Dasani is Coca-Cola. But it's basically just tap water. And what they do is they run it through a reverse osmosis system, which is very similar to what both you and I have in our houses, but it's a bigger and a fancier one. And then they add back in minerals because pure water, basically, like, have you ever drank distilled water? Yeah. It it tastes like that. And it doesn't taste good. Like, I can't even describe what it is. But, like, if you've ever heard somebody say they don't like the way water tastes, like, chances are they drank some distilled water. Because it definitely has, like, a very distinct flavor. So they have to add these minerals back into it so that it tastes like nothing instead of whatever that nasty stuff is that distilled water tastes like. Um, And that's also why a bottled water, like, bottled from any of those plants tastes exactly the same. It's because they remove all the taste out of it and basically put, like, a secret sauce envelope Mm -hmm. full of their minerals in it to make it taste exactly the same. I think they compared it to, like, the McDonald's burger. Yeah. No matter where you go, it tastes the same. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so basically like they turned what was a public resource tap water into a private good. And, uh, one of the interesting things that they mentioned in the documentary is that toilets have better quality water than a third or more of the world has access to every day. And that just made me really sad because I would never drink water out of my toilet, but there are people all over the world that would gladly do it, which so sad. Yeah. So this is where we get out of the United States and start going international. And they point out that the majority of bottled water sales happen in developing countries like Nigeria. Um, Nigeria has better water resources than any other African country, but they're in a water crisis. And in Lagos, Nigeria, which is the largest city in Africa that has an estimated population of 21 million people. They have 19 million people that have no access to water and they have $6 billion in bottled water sales. Holy smokes. Yeah. I mean, when you think about that, you just think like how freaking lucky we are to be able to pour perfectly safe water out of our taps for most of the country that's not true in flint but you know (laughs) yeah most of us are lucky enough to have that yes yeah so their water system is not maintained by the government the pipes have been broken for 20 years um and they run through a gutter that is not clean and does not always work and when you guys watch this it is Yeah. It's so gross. It's disgusting. And they do point out, too, that per the United Nations, a family of four needs about 50 gallons of water a day. Um, so that's a lot when you don't have any. Yeah, that's like over 400 pounds of water. So you can't just go, like, run and carry buckets of water back to your house to have your minimum recommended daily amount of water needed for a family yeah. <laughs> like but that's what a lot of these people are doing anyways yeah i did think it was really cool there was this one citizen there that drilled his own well and yes. he shares water with his neighbors and that's risky because the water's untested but um i mean when you're desperate like that and you like the people around you, you're going to do what you have to do. 
Yeah. Well, one of the things that they pointed out was that it did end up getting tested and it showed that it was contaminated with human waste and toxins, which totally makes sense when you realize that because they don't have running water, they also don't have like a maintained sewer system. And so that's what happens when human waste just ends up wherever the waterways are or wherever like, you know, when it rains. It washes everything into like the nearest drainage area oh, yeah. and then it all mingles with the running water and then it eventually filters its way through the ground into the aquifer or whatever the public access for water is so that's how water continually gets contaminated if there's nowhere for the poop to go it eventually runs into the water because that's oh. the way that water runs <laughs> physics <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here, like, shrugging at myself, like, what was that? (laughs) It was awesome. You're welcome. So um, they call some people borehole owners, and they're the ones that have, like, drilled their own well. But what they'll do is they'll sell water to merchants, um, and then it's $50 per month for a family. And most people make $2 a day. So I'm bad at math. But two times 30 is 60. <laughs> yeah. That only leaves them $10 for the rest of their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what anything else costs over there, but that is not a lot. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that $10 a month isn't enough. Yeah. I feel like I can say that with quite a lot of confidence. Yeah. Or if it is, it's like just enough. Yeah. But that's crazy that that is where most of your income goes. Um, compared to like the people in Everett spending, you know, $3.16 for a thousand gallons of water. Big difference. So, um, in Nigeria, you can buy water bottles, you can buy sachets of water. Um, a bottle of water can cost half a day's pay there. Um, so you're pretty fancy if you're walking around with a big bottle of water. Uh, Nestle has a plant there that allows them to use reverse osmosis which is purified water um and the brand is pure life 10 percent of the global bottled water um goes to nigeria and uh they are building a second plant in nigeria um there's another location called mandarigi i'm pretty sure i said that wrong but yeah i think that sounded good did i (laughs) okay thanks (laughs) um but people in this village haul water daily sometimes carrying basins that weigh 80 pounds on their head um taking an hour out of their day and nestle has made promises to those people about you know creating a that plant and getting them water um but it wasn't in writing they promised them things like drinking water in a new school um And they didn't come through, but they did publicly commit to provide clean, safe water to a thousand villagers. Um, But Mandarigi has 2,000 villagers. I mean, (laughs) what a way to pit the have nots with the have nots, right? Yeah. Like, I just, yeah. And the real kicker, too, because they were going back and forth to the stream and, like, you know, wearing these things on their head, carrying the water. the plant that they're going to build was four times the distance as the stream that they go to. <laughs> so they have to walk four times longer. So what, now they're yeah. one hour a day is four hours a day to go Ugh. get water. Yeah. They still have to carry it because they're probably just going to give it to them in bottles. So, And if that wasn't enough, 
whether they go to the river or the plant, they have to cross a four-lane high-speed highway to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they spend five hours a day hauling water back and forth. Like, how stressful is that? Like, when I think about having a bad day here, I should really just think about that. (laughs) Well, it's it's a good reminder to ourselves, like, how privileged and lucky we really are. Like, even with things like like what happened in Flint is like absolutely horrifying. But for the most part, some of the stuff that our government does like is perfectly fine and safe. Like we can, like we're really lucky in that sense. Like they don't do everything in a really transparent manner, which is disappointing. But for the most part, most of us can turn on our tap water and not worry about get it having feces in it. Like, (laughs) yeah, we're not crossing a, you know, force lane high speed highway to get water for five hours a day yeah which obviously that ends in tragedy somewhere along the lines in this documentary i mean that it had to Mm -hmm. you could see that coming from a mile away yes um the other really nice thing nestle did was that they poured drainage into the local river from their plant oh Mm -hmm. that's Um, helpful But in May 2019, Nestle Waters contacted Rotten and told them they've made efforts to improve the water situation and that they're promising to drill a borehole on the western side of the highway so they wouldn't have to cross. So hopefully they follow through on that because that would be pretty valuable to that village. It'd be life-changing to that village. But why wouldn't you have thought about that, like, before you built the first one? I don't know. Like, look at a situation. How can I make this better for these people? (laughs) Oh, make them not cross, you know, four lanes of traffic. I I mean, I want to be generous in my thought here and just say that coordinating all of this stuff is so complicated and requires so many different moving parts that there are things that get lost in the shuffle. But, like, the human cost of what you're doing is one of those things that shouldn't get lost in the shuffle. And, like, and if you're finding that it is over and over again, then maybe someone needs to be hired, like, whose sole job it is to, like, put their finger up in the meetings and be like, hey, if we do that, this is how it's going to affect these people. Like, how yeah, hard I'm is gonna that? I'm going to go with <laughs> they just didn't have that guy and nobody yeah. was thinking that way. Uh, th- uh, yeah, that's the only they didn't thing. They didn't co-talk and say, okay, so when you get water, how does that work for you? Well, and, you know, because we just get to turn on our taps, like, it's possible that nobody in the room oh, yeah. thought about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's so far removed from what our regular everyday is that it, it's totally valid that it just never crossed anybody's mind how complicated it would be for them. Yeah. You're so nice. I try so hard. <laughs> and I'm over here like, they were just assholes and they didn't think of it because they're assholes. I'm really stretching here. It's taking all of my power to spin this in some sort of generous thought. <laughs> oh. Well, if you want to spin it some more, um, we'll go back to Lagos where there is now a garbage crisis because of all the bottles. That Nestle is providing. And this is exactly why I hate bottled water. (laughs) Like, hands down, the garbage it creates is why. Yeah. I think bottled water beats out almonds in the things that I hate. Oh, that's pretty strong. (laughs) That's pretty strong. 
Um, only 10% of Lagos's garbage is recycled, and a lot of the plastic ends up in the Atlantic Ocean. Um, but they are trying to build a drinking water plant, um, and they are doing that so they don't have to rely on bottled water. It'll only supply 200,000 households, which is five to eight humans per household. And, you know, there's, like, quite a few people that live there, so that won't be enough, but it'll, it's a dent. Yeah. Um, they said it would take five years of construction, but they're already five years behind. How does that happen? I don't know. I was, like, <laughs> they went looking backwards at it, I, like, in time. <laughs> I, like, scratched my head. But here's the thing, too, that really made me scratch the other side of my head. Um, no plans to lay pipe to get the water to residents once this is built. Because they need more funding and they need more workers. So they're looking for investors that would be responsible for paying for the pipes to be put in. I'm like, excuse me, what? (laughs) I mean, and so here's the thing. like, And they would have to just be like goodwill investors. Because I can't imagine that this is like a viable, like, like legitimate money investment. I mean, a lot of these people literally have nothing. So you're laying pipe out of the goodness it, out of out of your kindness to humanity, basically, because yeah. like, you can't, in good conscience, send them a water bill after that. Like, just. I mean, they probably will, though. <laughs> yeah, but I that's mean, Sam being negative, Nancy over uh, here. Well, something else though to keep in mind too, like maybe having one running water to the village would like open up other opportunities. Because, like, so I'll use my town as an example. We don't have running water in my town. Everybody oh. has a. Um, everybody has a um well mm-hmm. and everyone also has a septic tank i had to think of what the word was because <laughs> i'm not used to living in the country so this whole septic th- right. tank thing is new to me <laughs> right or they don't have a septic tank and it just flushes out of a pipe and goes into the local creek which is super Ooh. gross <laughs> but they are actually talking about building that in my town and that's going to change everything because like no one can put in like that uh who is it that allows new restaurants to open the epa you know has to like inspect your water source and your uh and your septic tank before you can open a restaurant and get like a food serving license for a building yeah we can't get any new ones here because everything's so old you basically have to dig it all up in order to prove that it's good and no one's going to invest that kind of money in it so yeah, so I mean, it'll be interesting to see if just like having running water opens up new opportunities, and then suddenly like there's there's commerce available in the area, and people will have jobs, and people will have a place to spend money, and you know, mm-hmm. kind of a small snow- snowball effect, but it definitely could create one. Right, but it's also going to impact only a million people in Lagos, um, and when you think about, they're already five years behind in construction, and then the time it would take to lay the pipe. Like, that is a long way off still, which is very disappointing. And I hope it just doesn't, like, completely halt, but it's not looking great. Yeah, chances are it's, like, one of those things that won't, the benefits won't be seen by this generation. It'll be the next generation that sees them. Yeah, Especially when you have 21 million people in that that city. Yep. Eh. But then they take us back to Philadelphia and let us know that it was actually the first city to ever offer water as a utility. And the Baxter plant has been there since 1959, and it serves 750,000 people. Um, however, they 
talk about how people just don't trust the public water and there are it's continuing to be an issue so they're starting to have focus groups to understand how they can make that trust kind of build back up and how to make the situation better and they found out that 43 percent of people in philadelphia drink bottled water and 59 percent of those people are low income and they drink even more bottled water um because they really don't trust people (laughs) yeah so i thought it was really interesting to learn that water as a utility wasn't offered until 1959 um, and that even in the city where that is the first place that it happened, they have major trust issues and they're drinking the crap out of their bottled water. So I have a theory on why people have trust issues with municipal water. I just have trust issues with the government. That might well, just be a blanket thing for a lot of people, too. And Yeah, I mean, it totally <laughs> could be a blanket thing for a lot of people. But I'm wondering if, you know, like, because when we were younger and growing up, like, bottled water really started becoming a thing. Like, you know, they brought bottled water, like, you know, to, like, sports games and stuff like Mm, that. mm -hmm. You know, and before that, it was just drinking fountains. Well, when people taste bottled water and they realize that, like, it doesn't taste like anything, so it tastes kind of good. You know, and then they go home and they drink out of their tap and Mm, they, like, mm -hmm. hear on the news, oh, it has chlorine in it. And you taste it and you're like, well, my my water tastes funny. But it's just because of whatever the pipes are made out of or whatever. You know what I mean? Like municipal water hasn't been run through that reverse osmosis process. So it tastes like something. So I think there's something wrong with it because of the way it tastes. But it's really perfectly safe. It's just that, you know, it's water. It has minerals in it <laughs> based on wherever you're from. And some of those yeah. minerals taste a little weird. <laughs> And, and just because it tastes funny doesn't mean there's necessarily anything wrong with it either. Yeah, exactly. But it's yeah. easy to think this tastes bad, get it out of my mouth. Especially in America, I think because we have so many different options. Why would we drink something that tastes bad? That's yeah. just silly. Mm-hmm. I can totally see that. So, yeah, I mean, it was an interesting documentary. I thought... I mean, I thought they picked on Nestle just a little too much because there's lots of bottled water companies out there, and I'm sure they're all doing similar things. But, you know, I mean, they got to pick someone for the bad guy, so. Yeah. Yeah, they really hit it home with them, which I think it'll be interesting because there's a chocolate episode that's coming up if they'll bring Nestle up again in that one. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of chocolate companies, but Nestle is a huge one. I mean... I kind of hope just like for the sake of independence that it's not Nestle that they like talk about a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> just because it'll be a little weird if they like, you know, picked on the same company for two. I mean, they picked on China for everything in season one. Well, so. <laughs> I mean, but China's an easy target. You know what I mean? Like they manufacture like everything and they have so many people. So, I mean, it's just, yeah. <sighs> But yeah, and then they rounded it up with some good old fear-mongering, and that was the end of that one. Yeah. The end. <laughs> how do you? How does everyone feel now? Slightly sad, mildly enraged, gonna drop the F-bomb like Bev did? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's possible somebody listens to this and is like, I had no idea that bottled water was such a problem. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was an issue, but I didn't know, like... And I obviously knew, like, whisperings of what Nestle's was doing in Michigan, because I live here. Yeah. But I didn't know, like, the full extent of it and some of the detail. I'm sure there's so much more that they didn't even cover. Um, But it was 
it was very eye-opening and I live here. So I, I think other people will enjoy learning about it as well. Yeah, my main issue with bottled water has always been the garbage that it created. So, and I did not realize, and now that I think about it, I realize that it feels kind of obvious, you know, pumping that much water out of the ground can obviously cause water shortages. So, right. Yeah. So it was neat to see a different angle of it. And it just kind of solidified like why I try to make people use reusable water bottles, you know, why I don't buy bottled water for like every party that we have here. Like, you know, our RO will only do so much, but I have like a big jar and I'll just fill it and then put that in the fridge. And then it refills, and then I have another gallon and a half for the next day. So I try to do stuff like that just because, like, it doesn't seem like a lot. You know, it's a gallon and a half of water or whatever, but it makes a difference. So, I mean, I like to think doing something at least makes me feel better on the inside, even if on a global level doesn't solve the issue. Right. Maybe that's something we should sell in the merch shop. A reusable water bottle or bottled water? Yeah. Yeah. A reusable. (laughs) Why would we? Okay. Sam's side of the shop, bottled water, uh, anything super short and concise and semi-lazy and Bev's one, really well thought out, charitable and thought items and reusable water bottles. Uh, well you know join our group let us know what you think of the documentary after you listen to this or watch it Um, we would love to discuss it with you yes and now it's time for we can't even corner yes yes so bev what can't you even about this week so in our facebook group which i so conveniently just plugged (laughs) our friend katie montgomery posted a video in it of Lagertha the mini donkey saving a chicken from a hawk and I just could not get over how amazing it was so we will link to the video in the show notes it's on Facebook but it's on like a public part of Facebook so you should be able to see it even if you're not in the group but for easy access go ahead and just join our group Um, but basically in a nutshell in this video what this donkey does is like nothing short of incredible. She sees the chicken being attacked on the ground by a hawk. She squares herself up to it and slowly backs up to the hawk and then like very precisely kicks it off of the chicken (laughs) and doesn't smash the chicken, doesn't hurt the chicken. The hawk is like, what the hell just happened and flies away and the chicken's fine. It's totally amazing. And it just like reinforced in my brain how cool donkeys are and i could totally see herc doing something like that because herc does not like big birds he thinks the chickens are a little weird um but he doesn't (laughs) chase them or try to stomp them so that's good (laughs) but he would totally go after a hawk i think if it landed in his pasture yeah that's so cool so what is your can't even this week So mine is from the Dodo, and the title is Rooster Shows Up at Auto Shop One Day and Decides He Works There Now. (laughs) Which just makes me laugh. That's amazing. He's like, I guess I'll like it here. It's fine. Um, But it says, it was just a normal day last summer at R&R Garage in North Carolina when a rooster randomly wandered over to the garage and didn't didn't seem to have any plans to leave. The employees assumed he'd been abandoned and they started feeding him leftovers from the shop. 
But they had a long weekend. They sort of figured he would just move on to another spot. But when they returned, he was still there. So they named him Earl, and he's been the shop rooster ever since. That's amazing. Oh. He basically sleeps in a nearby tree. Unless the weather's bad, then they let him stay inside. Um, He greets the fellow employees as they uh, arrive to work. Um, And now he's kind of got a routine. He gets his cup of scratch. He wanders around the shop looking for any bugs that might be around. He even gets up under the toolboxes and workbenches looking for spiders. Oh. um, And anything else he can find. So that's a great pest control. He's earning his keep. And then after his morning breakfast hunt, he likes to follow all the employees around the garage and hang out with them. And he thinks to he thinks he's one of them. Um, and at this point, they say he kind of is. Aww. It's just so cute. Um, he says he'll just kind of come lay down and sleep under a car you're working on in the corner. He doesn't care about the loud noises or the people walking by. He'll even sleep in the front of the office door. And they've tripped over him a couple times. <laughs> I can totally imagine that. <laughs> Um, and he's been working there for so long, he's a bit of a local celebrity. And everyone at the shop has wholeheartedly embraced their little feathered coworker. Aww. That's really That's so cute. cute. Yeah, that is so cute. And not your typical mascot for yeah. a shop. So, yeah, I thought that was super cute and heartwarming. I like it. We needed some heartwarming after all of that death and destruction. (laughs) All that trauma. (laughs) So like we mentioned in our last episode, we're doing something a little different with our mini-sodes. So we want you to send us your can't evens. And you can do that in the Facebook group or like Facebook Messenger, Instagram. Or you can just email them to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. You send those to us. And we will read them on the mini-sodes. Yes, we will. And be sure and leave us a review because we're reading our favorite Apple podcast review of the week on the podcast. And if you don't have an Apple product, you can download iTunes from your laptop and leave a review that way. And we will take all of the reviews that we read for the month, draw a name out of a hat, and that person will get an exclusive coffee mug that is not and will not ever be in our shop. And we've realized that we forgot to read the December winner. So we're going to do it right now. Yes. So the December winner is Jen Barber at Raising underscore Roots underscore on Instagram. So we will reach out to you, Jen, to get your address and we will send you the mug. For awesome. last month. Congrats, yes. Jen. And now on to this month. Yes. We have a review from Erica, whose Instagram is at haywirefarm07 or jcczjr underscore mom. I'm going to stick with haywirefarm because that's easier to say. Yes. <laughs> but the title of the review is Wonderful Find. And she said, I found your podcast by listening to the Rural Woman podcast, and I love it. My first episode I dove into was the Christmas Tree Farm one. You two are hilarious and make a great team. I'm so happy to have found a podcast to binge while completing chores and dishes or driving into work. Keep up the great work, Erica. Oh, thanks for that That's review, so Erica. Nice. Yeah, thank you. 
We hope you stick around. So we have just a couple of housekeeping and announcements and Coop Camp dates have been announced and everything is available up on the Coop Dreams website to like purchase your tickets and reserve your spot and stuff. So we'll throw a link in the show notes so that you can do that and join us at it. Yep. And that'll be June 5th through 7th. Um, So take your work off if you need to. We already did. Yes. (laughs) Yes, we did. And... Make sure you send us your farm stories. That's something else that we're going to be talking or reading through in the mini-sode. We already have two to read um, for January. So if you've sent it to us and you haven't heard it yet, that's why. Don't worry. We're going to read it. But send us yours if you haven't yet. Um, And then also make sure you hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen. Because this helps more people like you find us. Yes, and be sure and share this episode over on the Instagram. You can take a screenshot of you listening to it and share it in your stories and tag us because we'll send you a promo code just for this episode that you can use in the shop. And we just launched a bunch of really cool merch in there. So you want to share this week and get that code so that you can get some of that cool new stuff, Um, especially the shirt of the month because that goes away at the end of January. So you can only buy it during January. So don't miss it. Yes. And make sure you take a look at the show notes to find links to all the things we talked about today. And there's even a survey that you can take to tell us how we're doing. That's completely anonymous. All of our social media goodness is up there. And of course, those links to the merch shop. So go check those out. Yes. And thanks so much for listening, guys. Yeah, it was the first one for January 2020. I'm looking forward to this new year. It's going to be a good one. Yes. So until next time, guys, drink, farm, and and give zero clucks. Bye, guys. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and 